Well, welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast. And if you grew up watching and supporting the West Sydney Razorbacks back in the day, uh, you'll be familiar with our next guest because joining me on the podcast today is former NBL head coach, Mark Watkins. And Mark's had a tremendous career, but an amazing resume. He has spent 11 seasons in the NBL as an assistant coach, first and foremost with the Canberra Cannons, then the West Sydney Razorbacks before taking on the head coaching role at the start of the 2004-2005 NBL season. After that, he had a stint up in the Gold Coast with the Gold Coast Blaze uh, for two seasons up there uh, where he was uh, under Brendan Joyce and had an incredible team up there as well. And since finishing his time with the NBL, he's uh, focused his attention more in the elite pathway system and developing future talent. Uh, he was a former coach of the Australian national uh, basketball team, the under 17 men's team, who went on to win silver at the 2014 FIBA World Championships. He's now been recently announced as the head coach of the NBL, NBL1 women's side for the Killside Cobras. And we're looking forward to diving into all of that today. Mark Watkins, welcome to the More Than a Game podcast. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure, mate. It's uh, great to connect once again, mate. And uh, love, love. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing more of your career. But before we start, I remember interviewing you back in 2009, if you remember, when I was a budding journalist studying journalism yeah. at uni. And at that time, the sport of basketball in this country was on its knees, and it was a bit of a more negative, I guess, uh, interview and story that I was running. But now, uh, 15 years later, almost, uh, it's taken off again. It's back to where it was, probably even better than. Uh, it was in the 90s. Uh, what do you put that down to to see the sport of basketball doing so well now? I guess um, the foremost thing is the NBL. I think, um, you know, Larry Kesselman and his group have just just transformed the NBL and put a lot of excitement back into to that, that level of basketball um, and just made it so professional, uh, you know, um, adding the third, third import in there, mm. having good quality basketball on TV live, you know, every game's live. You can, you know, you can watch that on Foxtel or, or KO. Um, and then, you know, the women's league as well, the WNBL, you know, that, that that's, that's now, you know, you can watch a lot of games live. Um, and then the buzz about the boomers and opals has followed through, mm. you know, the amount of um, uh, NBA players and WNBA players playing for our national teams, is the most ever. Mm. Um, so, and then them playing in those other leagues and, and players playing around Europe is just, has that, that's now put excitement in the senior level, which now to me as a junior player, junior coach and, and parent of a junior, I want to be a part of it, you mm. know, so how do I do that? You know, and then that's playing domestic, getting into reps, making a state team and then hopefully making an Australian junior team. Mm. So that pathway is all there for them now in our country and the buzz is just um, ginormous, I think. Mm. Absolutely, mate. No, it's been incredible. I was at the Kings game on Sunday afternoon and seeing 14,000 fans there when I remember when the spirit or the West Sydney Razorbacks became a spirit. It was pretty embarrassing to see under a 1,000 at a game at the entertainment centre. So it was really encouraging to see. But... You've got a great resume. We're going to dive into that and particularly want to touch on elite pathways later on. Uh, but 11 seasons in the NBL coaching, uh, junior national teams and the like, but where did it all start for Mark Watkins? How did you get involved in the sport of basketball? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, my dad was a player. Uh, you know, played in the old uh, NBL back back then, which was where guys used to get in their cars and drive up to Sydney and drive to Adelaide and play the weekend and then drive home. You know, and that's that's how the NBL started. You know, right. with um, you know Lindsay and, and his group. Mm. Uh, my dad was with the St Kilda Police Boys, um, so I grew up with basketball. And then my dad decided to, uh, with a few mates, create a uh, a junior club in um, in Victoria here called uh, EBS, which is um, out of another Wadding Stadium. Yeah. And um, yeah, and and from there I became a player, and then uh, played there for quite a number of years, and then started coaching the little ones, as yeah. uh, as most coaches do or parents do. Uh, and then lucky enough to um, coach Barry Barnes's two boys, uh, Brad and Cam. Mm. And um, from there, Barry thought I had potential as a coach, so I got uh, offered a a, um, a threes team at Nunawading in rep program. Uh, and we were probably the only club back then in reps that had a threes team. Um, and so, yeah, that's where my, my rep coaching um, – Kicked off and lucky enough to work my way up to uh, to coach a couple of one teams and win a quite a few VC championships. At one stage, I was coaching the sixteen boys and the eighteen boys at Nullawanning, wow. and um, and one championship, two championships in the one year. Gosh. So that was when Nullawanning was like yeah. we were the the pinnacle of Australian basketball. Mm. Um, our program with Barry Barnes in in charge. Uh, and then you know we had Tom Ma and uh, the, in charge of the girls program as well, and it, and it was um, a really good grounding for a lot of people at that club. A lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot of referees, uh, all came through that Nunawading system at that time. And um, then I got promoted to be a Vic Metro coach, mm. assistant at Metro, and then won a championship with um, Sam McKinnon and. Simon Dwight and Matt Shanahan, uh, oh, wow. three three famous um, NBL and Australian boomer couple mm-hmm. boomer players. So I'm um, lucky enough to coach them as a as young blokes at 15, 14 and fifteen years old. Mm. Yeah, so um, yeah, I had that really good grounding. I was still coaching at um, at EBS at the at the domestic level, mm. um, uh, Hall of Famer there and life member. Uh, you know, I think now that has over two hundred teams. Wow. Just, just domestically, which is um, it's huge. As um, a lot of people in New South Wales wouldn't understand how big a domestic is here in Victoria, mm. and it's just it's just massive. You know, um, you know, we've got at at, uh, at Killside Cobras right now. We have um, twelve hundred domestic teams playing. You know, mm. all all during the week, which is uh, that's just mm. our club. Um, Gosh. So uh, you know that that does does good job as funding the club, mm. you know. Um, but uh, d- definitely um, the grassroots of basketball in Australia is really kicking some butt, mm. and uh, and people want to be involved in it. Yeah. Mm. yeah um, do you want me to keep continuing? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. keen to know. Was it? So I'm just trying to remember, you know, my pathway, and yeah. you know, the Victorian state teams was um, was a big part of that. You know, lucky enough and honoured to coach Vic Metro, um, and then from there, uh, I was um, identified by 
Patrick Hunt and Gordy McLeod, uh, who were at the Australian Institute of Sport at that time, and they were looking for an assistant coach. Hmm. So, um, you know, I, I had a had a good chat with uh, um, Ian Stacker, who was really one of my one of my mentors besides Barry Barnes. Yeah. Uh, and both both those guys have really really taught me a lot about the basic skills of the game. Hmm. And um, and I was you know I'm very lucky to to have had that had those guys mentor me. Hmm. Uh, and then it was time to move to the AIS and and get mentored by Pat Hunt and and Gordy McLeod and hmm. and um, got good three years at the AIS and then got recruited to the Canberra Cannons. Hmm. And that's when my NBL journey started. Yeah, and I was an assistant coach and went to a few final series with uh, Brett Flanagan and some really good players and Simon Dwight and Darnell Me, Rob Rose, Ray Borner. You know. It, it, you learn a lot as a coach from coaching um, great players. Mm. They can teach you as much as you're you're trying to teach them. Mm. You know, um, strange being a, a young coach coaching players who are older than you in mm. the NBL yeah. and had a lot of experience. Mm. So you know, you, you had to earn your stripes mm. and, uh, and and earn the respect. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I hope I did that. You know. Mm. Um, I think um, I think I did, mm. uh, and then from there, you know, I um, I was lucky enough then sort of moved pathways and then went to the the West Sydney Razorbacks mm. and um, yeah did did my time coaching both as assistant with uh, Gordy McLeod and then coaching the the Bankstown Bruins in the SCABL back then yeah uh, won a Coach of the Year award. And um, and coaching all just um, all young blokes, you know, mm. that were on the Razorback mm. um, squad list, and guys that were in Sydney that wanted to play in the SEABL. So, mm. um, yeah, that, that was a good experience to do both. You know, it was a, a long load. Mm. Uh, you know, doing the NBL in the summer and then the SEABL mm. in the winter, mm. um, but kept me busy. I was a single guy. Um, so uh, you know, I, I and, and and if I had aspirations to climb the tree, you got to do the work. Mm, that's right, and, and, and get your name out there mm. uh, because you know I had aspirations to be an NBL one head coach mm. you know, after being with Gordy for a number of years, mm. um, and then they moved Gordy on, and I took over, uh, and then uh, unfortunate for me, I guess at that time. There was that big um, inquiry with uh, the Canary Bulldogs, mm, yeah. and um, and money, mm. yeah, money being shifted or under the table, etc. Mm. And then the Razorbacks um, paid for that because uh, they were funded by the league's club mm. um, back then, as were the Canary Bulldogs. So the funding sort of um, uh, reduced a lot when I took over, uh, and therefore were not able to. Um, you know, recruit big big players in my time that was there, and mm. uh, and then you know halfway or quarter of the way through that 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 season of I was in charge, um, the club decided to move me on. Mm. Um, it, it was bad blood, you know. I, I, I felt mm. I was a scapegoat mm. of, of of a lot of um, issues that were going on, mm. um, and it hurt me because I never got a never got a head coaching job again. Mm. Um, and you know, I look back in hindsight, Dan. Mm. Uh, when I'm I'm 57 now, 
And you know, I was in, I was, I was a young coach in the NBL. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And when I look at some of those young coaches that are aspiring to be that, I give them some advice. Do you do your time and do the work before because you think you're ready and you're not, Mm. you know? So, um, that's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of senior coaches around Australia, around the world, you know, they're in their forties and fifties because Mm. they've, they've, they've built up their experiences Mm. and then then ready to showcase that, you know, at the big league. And, Mm. and that's why, you know, there's a lot of older coaches in the league because they're so wise. You know, I wish I knew now what I knew back then. Yeah. Um, you know, sorry, the other way around. You know, so. Yeah. Um, but but I guess know, that comes back to mentoring, doesn't it? Like how it much of how much did you you spoke about mentors earlier in your career? But did you have people you could lean on through those times back then? Yeah. Look, I, I spoke. You know, during that time, I was speaking a lot to Barry Barnes. You know, he, yeah. he was my mentor, sure. um, and still is. You know, we mm. we stay in contact. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know. That's only just part of it, you know. You, you, you've got to mm-hmm. sometimes you got to learn on the run. Yeah, you, know, you got to make sure you got. What I learned about my time with the Australian junior teams mm. was um, recruiting uh, and appointing good staff. Yeah. So people that you can trust, um, and people that you can, you can, you can give them jobs, and go, and they're good at their job. Mm. And let them do it, and so they have ownership, and mm. and that way they'll work for you. Mm. Mm. you know, so, um, and I think we achieved that in those years that I was Australian head coach, yeah. um, and I, and I learned that a bit from Damien Cotter. Um, yeah. when I was with him as an assistant coach with the 19s for only for a year, but um, you know he he entrusted me. He said. You know, I just want you to do what whatever you want to do. I, I don't want you to sit next to me and take stats. Mm. He said, I want to hear from you. Yeah. You know, um, and and so um, I, I I learned a little bit about that, and then I, I entrusted that in in mm. um, in in Justin Shuler when I when I mm. had Justin Shuler as my assistant for the four years. You know, yeah, yeah. and I was trusting him to do his job, let him do it. Mm. He felt good about himself because he was contributing, mm. as as were the other assistant mm. and um and in in Jamie and um and then uh, and then the, the support staff and the doctors, the physios, the manager. Mm. You let them do the thing and then let them make the call. And if mm. they make the call that this player can't play that game, then um then I I've got to I've got to make sure that oh yeah I'm adhering to your experience, your knowledge. Mm. So. I'm putting faith in you, and then then they feel good about it, and we're all buying into the culture that we were trying to achieve. Mm, so, you know, that, that's something I've learned over time, mm. um, and and I guess a silver medal at World Championships was proof in the pudding. Yeah, hundred percent. Part of that that was good, but you've got to have good players. Yeah, um, you, know, and have <laughs> players and, you know, and Isaac Humphries and Tom mm. Wilson and DJ. Yeah, you know, great players. They, you mm. know. Um, they were all, you know, really good players in their in their mm. own right, mm. um, and um, yeah, and, and and then the rest is history. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Some great leadership lessons there, I find, because as leaders, um, I myself for one, like you can only you can have ideas and dreams and visions, but you can only go so far by yourself. You need to trust those around you. So that's yeah. 
yeah, really encouraging, mate. But just if I can harp back to the Razorbacks, because it did start so well. Like, it was such a great organisation, and that's where I met you and had the opportunity to be coached by you back when, as a youngster. Uh, but what was it like being part in, of the Razorbacks when they first started and what made it so successful? Within three seasons, you're the first Sydney team to make a grand final series, but what do you put that down to in terms of how much it grew in such a short space of time? Yeah, I guess pretty much what I said before, you know, Gordy, Gordy put some good people around him, you mm. know. Um, the money was there, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the Leeds club was all in. Sure. You know? and, um, and it was a new franchise. So it was fresh. It was bubbly. Yeah. You know? we, were, we were working from, from scratch. But, mm. um, you know, you had Robbie Caddy there who had NBL experience. Mm. Um, he had Gordy and myself who'd been, you know, been in the NBL. Mm. Um, so that that group of CEO, head coach, assistant coach um, had good experience, good leadership, mm. and, then, and then they were already in the marketing area with when they were with in the SEABL with the West Sydney Slammers. Yeah. So um, sort of sort of like it was just taking it up to another level, you know. Mm. Mm. And you know, um, as you said, the Kings, the Kings were the flavour of Sydney. Mm. Um, you know, they're a big name, and they still are, and mm. you know, well known around the world. But um, I guess the people out west wanted their own team, yeah. you know, and follow their own group. And um, as they have done with um, you know with the Panthers uh, and in NRL and in that area there. Mm. Uh, and then, um, you know, and, and the, the GWS Giants over the, the Sydney Swans, you know, similar type mm. of situation. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I, and then, we re- then you know, the last thing was we recruited some pretty good players. Yeah. Some players. Fantastic players. Really <laughs> rookies, you, know, we, yeah. you know, we brought in John Reilly, we brought in Simon Dwight, Bruce Bolden, Derek Rucker. Mm. You know, there's four core guys, Scotty McGregor, you mm. know, guys that were already – Established in the NBL, had mm. had um, had, had championships, you know, had championships, had MVPs. Yeah. Um, so that was a good recipe. Mm. It was always going to be a good recipe for success. Absolutely, it was. And I think when you look at the 2003-04 season, they when you made the end, the grand final series against the Kings, very unlucky not to win that. But I'm pretty sure that team was made up of uh, correct me if I'm wrong, purely Australian players that year. And it was some fantastic players. So if I can touch on that, firstly made against uh, the grand final series against Adelaide, and unfortunate to lose that one. But then I reckon, you know, being a Razorback fan back then, that series really stung. Can you hop back to those final two games? You look like you had it as a group, and then those final two games just couldn't get over the hurdle. What happened in those two games? Was it just the Kings being too good, or? Yeah, I don't know. I never watched them back. Yeah, of course, <laughs> can imagine. <laughs> yeah, as you said, it hurt. You know, um, you know, we were right there in game five, had that lead, and then Nebiarah just, you know, took over, mm. and that's all I really remember about the game. You know, yeah. um, uh, I just remember the hurt, um, yeah. the disappointment, mm. um, and 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 it hurts still this day to be a coach that uh, never got a ring. You know, in the NBL after all those years, yeah. Um, but that was an opportunity lost. You know, and yeah. you don't get you don't get those opportunities too often in yeah. life. Mm. So, um, yeah. But uh, you know, 
coached well by Brian Gorgian, you know, mm. um, had some good leaders in that Sydney Kings team. Yeah. Um, we, we, we did too, you know, it was, it was mm. a battle of the Titans, the two, two good teams that had really good players, yeah. both were coached well, um, both led well by senior players and coaches, mm. um, which that's why it was one of the best, one of the greatest series, you know, that's been. Mm. Um, if it was a three-game series like it had been the year before, we would have been champions. But yeah. in hindsight, you know that's the way that's the way it goes. And yeah. um, Sydney took them took took the most of their opportunities when it got presented. You mm. know, um, and they come up champions. Yeah, yeah, it's heartbreaking. I remember watching it as a sixteen-year-old, you know, teenager, and just like, wow, that that, that yeah, it was a lost game, but. Uh, Touching on the Razorbacks, just to finish up on the Razorbacks, and um, there's been a lot of talk about expansion in the NBL, and obviously it was, it was such a great franchise, and you know you spoke about the issues when you took on as head coach, and it sort of spiraled downhill from there. For me, it was a, in some ways, a victim of the league's um, the league's demise in many ways. Um, you know, lack of crowds, and it wasn't that much of an appetite for professional basketball back then, and. You could say the same with the Gold Coast Blaze, which we'll come to. But when you look at expansion now, um, there's been a lot of talk about another Sydney team. Probably a good, you know, there's appetite for more basketball now, so it would probably work. But do you bring back the Western New Razorbacks, or in your opinion, does it need to be a whole new franchise? I think it needs to be a new franchise. You no, know, um, like pretty much like the, the Melbourne Phoenix yeah. you know, situation. Um, and then where do you put them demographically in Sydney? Yeah. Uh, does Do they have their own stadium? You know, mm. um, that's always been the biggest issue in Sydney, you know, is the, the facilities yeah. uh, and the location of those facilities. Yeah. Um, the New South Wales government really really need to look at that if they want to expand the sport, you know, and, and, and in, in Sydney. Mm. Um, you know, they certainly need something... Some big, big stadium out west, you know, and uh, and then try and grow that like they have the GWS, and you know they've got a great following now, you know, and and they're putting a good product on on the on the footy field. Mm. So um, if they can, the new franchise can follow in that footstep. But um, that yeah, they need they need their own home, you mm. know, that people and fans can go to and say, hey, this is our home, mm. you know, this is our venue. We're not sharing it with anybody. Mm. This is us. Yeah. Um, it's a fortress, yeah. you know, and we want to make it the best, best possible um, place to come and be hard to play at. Mm. So, mm. you know, that that would be my advice to to whoever is that's looking looking to to, to expand that franchise. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And saying that though, you do see United and Phoenix. They are, yeah, in some way sharing. Yeah, high um, sense or whatever it's called now, John Kane Arena. But I guess. You know, uh, Phoenix do have that other option of going to the heartland, as they call it. Uh, yeah. So uh, do you think there's an opportunity there for them to expand and, you know, create another, I guess, uh, venue down in Melbourne, or do you think it's there's enough down there? Um, I don't think there's any plans to. Um, I know there's a lot of venues going up, um, mm. especially at the Casey way. Uh, you know, they, they've got a 10-court stadium right now and they've outgrown it. Mm. <laughs> so they're, they're looking to build another one like that. Yeah, only kilometres away, which is yeah. uh, you know that, but that's the demographic of that area right now. And I don't know, you know, Sydney, Sydney's probably you know the Penrith area out there. 
you know, is that is that growing to that that that, that sort of rate as well for it to mm. warrant having something like that out there? Yeah, hundred percent. Be interesting to see what happens from here. But another option that I've spoken about the NBL is uh, the Gold Coast. They had the Blitz up there just recently, and obviously. Being a part of the Gold Coast Blaze after your time with the Razorbacks under Brendan Joyce. Uh, just saying, too, that was a great side back then. I remember going to watch a training session. Shane Hill, Perro Cameron, James Harvey, there were some legends playing for the Gold Coast Blaze as well, but it still went under. Uh, so the talk of the team going, or a team going up there, once again, is there going to be, is it going to be sustainable? Because they have had two shots at it, uh, in your opinion, coaching up there, being a part of the community up there is it going to be sustainable and once again do the blaze come back or does it need to be another franchise once again yeah look um you know the, the blaze were owned by one owner uh and uh, uh owen owen um tomlinson i think his yeah, name was and uh i don't think he realized when he first started how much money he was gonna end up Putting in, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I felt for him at the end, you know, mm. um, his heart was in the right place, mm. you know, he, he wanted to do it for the Gold Coast, he wanted, you know, he, him and his family were invested in it, yeah. and, um, and you know, and, and good on them for doing that, but I don't think they realised, you know, the extent of, of how much money was involved in, in, yeah. in running an NBL team at that time. Yeah. Location, perfect location, you know, yeah. right Right down at Broad Beach, um, yeah. you know, and and um, and in a good stadium, help mm. hold a lot of people, um, mm. plenty of access. You know, training facilities were good. Mm. Uh, you know, the, um, the you know can Gold Coast fund a in sponsorship? You know, an AFL team, an NRL team, and an NBL one team. Mm. I I don't know. You know, I, I only the Lord Mayor could could answer that. <laughs> But um, you know, I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. But you know, I don't. I just don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah fair enough. That'll also be interesting. But just touch on your time with the Blaze. Uh, that was a great group. Uh, as I said, Shane Hill came in and no doubt provided a lift for the group. Um, just obviously a legend of Australian sport, not just basketball. But um, yeah, it was a good, successful time there. I guess uh, all your um, memories of the time up there with the Blaze. Yeah, making the playoffs, you know, um, as a as a as a new franchise was huge for us, mm. uh, uh, and um, yeah, and and winning a lot of games, and we you know mm. we had some good, we had some good players again come and play for us, yeah. and then Hammer, you know, in the last season we were there, um, sort of Hammer was on his way mm. out as a retirement, you know, and um, but still had a lot to offer, mm. uh, you know, the club and. Um, you know, and he's playing. You know, he you know he didn't he hadn't lost a lot. You know, as a player, mm. um, but uh, you know he he was certainly one to put bums on seats, bring people mm. in. You know, yeah. all the media, the marketing. You know, was was mm. was, was, was all positive. Mm. Um, but the team that season just couldn't quite click together. Mm. And uh, and then you know, and the rest is history. Where I lost my job, I was, and then. Brendan lost his job, and uh, and then um, yeah, and then we moved on to I worked my move back to basketball New South Wales. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a good segue into the elite pathways because you spent some time there, and uh, obviously had the junior national squads as well. Uh, but in terms of the first question, in terms of the growth in this country, 
Um, it's fair to say probably that you know the elite pathway system in Australia is also contributing to the success. What do you reckon? Oh, look, I think we, we you know people talk about the European system and how good that is, um, and how tough they do it mm. and how hard they work. Uh, you know, we I don't think we've got it quite right yet. Mm. Uh, I think there's too many people wanting fingers in the pie. Right. You know, and, and when I say that, it's I use an example of you know a fifteen-year-old kid right now um, playing domestic, playing reps. He's at a school where the school's demanding that he play. He trains two or three times a week and plays his school game. Hmm. Uh, and then then basketball Victoria want their slice of the pie, so he's in the SDP or NPP. Uh, and then he's in a state team, and then he's in an Australian team, uh, and then his club, you know, his club wants him to maybe train with the youth league or the NBL one. Sure. You know, the, the kid's getting pulled left, right and centre. Uh, you know, and, and it's hard for a parent and a kid to say no to anything, uh, you, know, and, you know, especially when the school's saying, well, you're on a scholarship here, so, you know, you do, you do what we say. Yeah, uh, and then so who gets who gets who misses out? Well, it's the domestic club who started him, yeah. and then it's the rep rep club that's taken him to the next level, oh. and then you know, and then all these other people want 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 their um their yeah. time with him. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult, you know. So, oh. and I know that they don't have that they don't have that issue in Europe. Yeah. Um, are we? But we are still producing really good players. Mm. Why? Because, you know, people have listened to all that scenario that I've said mm. and then we've educated the parents and the group mm. to say, well, you know, workload and what's best for that player so that they can achieve their ultimate goal, we need to work together. Mm. And and some will and some won't. Mm. Uh, and, and sometimes there's sacrifices made. Um, by a lot of people just to make sure that that kid's uh, health and well-being in the journey um, puts them in good stead to be the best player they can be. Mm. I will say, mate. That's great. Hopefully we can uh, get a system that works for all. I, yeah, it's a very interesting one there. But uh, you've moved, obviously, and been working with the Kilsyth Cobras in the NBL1 competition for a number of years now. And I guess reaping the rewards of your efforts in that club because you've recently been announced as the women's uh, head coach for the MBL one side and no doubt a lot of your effort in the pathway system, you're coaching, going to be coaching some of those players that you've seen come through the junior ranks. Uh, what are you looking forward to most for the upcoming season next year? Yeah, um, uh, you know, I was actually commentating the last few years of those games uh, yeah. as a DPC yeah. um, and and also running yeah, the, the Kilsyth Cobras, and we, we have our own elite program as well. Mm. And um, some of those girls that were, well, nearly all of them that, that I've selected to, to represent us in the NBL one have all come from our junior Cobras program mm. That's great. And, and, and my elite program that I run in the mornings, early mornings. Mm. So, yeah, that's going to be um, a good opportunity for me to coach those girls as a team. Mm. Um, I've coached two of those girls the last two seasons in the under-18s. 
um, and both those girls made Vic Metro teams. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know the reward is there. You can't you can't talk pathway as a club if you're not going to live it. Uh-huh. You know? So um, we're we're a club of where we 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 want to have as many Kilsyth Cobra juniors in our MBR one team as possible, uh-huh. and and that means we're not giving spots away. You uh-huh. still got to earn it. Yeah. And you've got to get rid of that word entitlement. Mm. Um, you, you've got to earn it, and and then you've got to earn minutes. Mm. So, you know, our boys' program, the last couple of seasons, a men's program, um, has eight, eight plus Cobra players in it. Mm. And hopefully this season we'll have at least six or seven Cobra girls in it. So mm. um, we want to be compared, we want to have a chance of winning it. Mm. Um, so we're on top. Top up those other spots with um, you know some WNBL players mm. um, and a and a good American mm. um, or import, uh, and then you know and then give our girls an opportunity to uh, to possibly you know do well on NBL one and then maybe get a WNBL gig. Mm. So two of our girls um, currently in Nikita Young and Georgia Booth mm. um, have both been selected. Selected to be um, a development player for the uh, Flyers, so um, you know that's that's the pathway that which we want them to achieve, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and and then play for us in the winter season. Mm. That's awesome. So I'm looking forward to the challenge. I haven't yeah. coached my own senior team for quite a while. Yeah. Um. And uh, but um. Yeah, I think I put a good system in place in Kilsyth, and now it's about me showcasing that system at a senior level mm. for our junior players and coaches to see that how you know how that works, you know, mm. and then how, how it can be successful. Because we've had we've had a lot of success in the junior program since I le- since I took over, mm. um, and uh, this season alone, um, all our ones teams are in the top four in. VC, which is uh, Division One, um, and it was that was the number one club in Victoria um, as, as having that many besides the under fourteen boys. So mm-hmm. uh, we're doing quite well. We've got about fifty kids in the Basketball Victoria program, mm-hmm. um, elite programs. Quite a number of coaches in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I'm priding myself on is about uh, those who want to do it mm-hmm. and who want to put the effort in. Um, you know, you hopefully you'll end up being uh, the best you can be and achieve your goals and dreams. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Speaking of which, um, in terms of that pathway of taking the next step to the NBL or WNBL, uh, is there a connection with any of the teams, or how's that process work in terms of uh, getting kids or you know the juniors coming through and then taking that next step to the NBL? Uh, what's in place in that regard? Yeah, no, there isn't actually. Um, you know, Phoenix, Phoenix talk about you said before about the heartland. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you know, a couple of our boys go down there and and train. You know, mm-hmm. and and they have in the past with the United as well, mm-hmm. um, and the Flyers and uh, the Boomers in mm-hmm. the women's program. So we, you know, I, I think we'd be silly to shut the door on on you know one NBL team and one WNBL team and just say we're exclusive. You know, with with that, the those because mm. um, spots can open up in, in anywhere. Yeah, you know? so 
you know, and even one of our boys last season went and tried out for the the Jack Jumpers. Mm. So you know, um, I, I because I have my experience you know, around the, around uh, Australia, I have a lot of contacts, mm. you know, and so um, you know, um, if I've got a player that I think uh, needs a deserves a crack at at the big league, you know, um, and then they call me and say, what do you think? And I'll, and I'll endorse them and I don't care where they play. I just want to see them play, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, opportunities knock anywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, mate. Well, on your own ambitions, obviously, been around a long time now, but as we finish up, is there any aspirations to get back to the NBL or WNBL at some point in your career? Yeah, I don't know. Um I guess I would like to, you know, there is one bucket list that I haven't ticked yet, and that's mm. the Olympics. You know, um, I think we all, we all as players, junior players, and and mm. and in coaches, you know, we want to aspire to represent our country, mm. uh, and then you know, go to Olympics. You know, I still have a, I still have a dream of being in the NBA. You know, mm. whatever happened, probably not, but you know what. You got to dream, and you got to tell yeah, your dream. Because if you don't dream, you're never going to you're never going to work hard to reach whatever the, your dreams are. So, mm. uh, and sometimes opportunities come come to your way when you least expect it. Mm. You know, and um, and and I and that's I know that's happened to me a few times. Mm. You know, so um, I, I thought my my time with the Australian junior teams was done, and then coached New South Wales. Uh, under 18 boys to a three-peat, mm. and I got asked, you know, to come mm. and coach Australian under-17 team. So yeah. um, I thought that door was shut. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know about the NBL, you know, maybe that door's shut, but then someone might say, oh, I'm looking for an assistant or, mm. you know, we don't know. So, um, mm. um, but I've got a family now, you know, I've got a partner and, and three, three stepdaughters, mm. and uh, they're in horses. So um, I don't know... But <laughs> the time of, of traveling and all that, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I quite enjoy the other part of my life with my partner and going to horse events and seeing the girls um, do really well. You know, that, that really makes me feel good, you know, yeah. to see them they're achieving things mm. that I achieved a little bit in my sport, but it, just in a different sport. Mm. You know, and I, I want to see them. You know, hopefully, you know, represent Australia one day at, at at show jumping. That would be, you know, something that I would dream about. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's awesome, Waco. That's a great note to finish on, mate. But uh, you've had a great career; it's still very much ahead of you. Uh, so we fingers crossed you may get another. Yeah, no, seven as a coach. So. Oh, <laughs> when I look at all those old blokes coaching in the NWA and yeah. the NBA and in college, exactly. I'm like a spring chicken. Yeah, we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah. uh, but yeah. thanks for having me on, Dan. I really yeah, appreciate good. it. Uh, good talking to you and Likewise, reminiscing of the old days. Yeah, absolutely, um, mate. Yeah, and um, if I can... Yeah. You know, if anyone's, you know, the people that are listening and watching, mm. I'm proof that someone from domestic basketball playing and coaching at domestic can dream and work hard mm. and climb the tree to coach in NBL one, coach in NBL, coach an Australian team, go to a world championships, travel the world. Mm. You can do all those things if you put your mind to it. So that's my yeah. advice to 
the viewers and the yeah. listeners. Um, if that's what it's who you are, go for it. Mm. Yeah. Well said, mate. Well, Mark Watkins, appreciate it, mate. Thank you for joining us on the More Than a Game podcast. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the More Than a Game podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please feel free to leave a review, click the subscribe button, and for more episodes and content, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts or via the Podbean app. Our website is also gamemorethan.podbean.com. We hope you can join us for another episode of the More Than a Game podcast.